Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Lauren and her willingness um, to share your word. Um, please may it speak to all of us, um, may it reach our hearts, and may we have a blessed one. Thank you. All right. Good morning, church. Thank you for coming. I always get something out of preparing a message, but it's always nice when there's someone to share it with on the day. How are we doing? Nine days till Christmas. How's everyone feeling at this point? Like, you can give me like a thumbs up, thumbs down. There's a couple on the side, a couple good. All right. Has anyone like finished their Christmas shopping? Like, I've finished my Christmas shopping. I'm very proud. No one. Okay, you're all stressing me out right now. Okay, one person, thank you. Needed that. Has anyone not started their Christmas shopping? <laughs> you do you. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to look to this group because you know, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I've finished my Christmas shopping. Um, I don't much, well, I do care for sales, but I much prefer to, to be organized, um, to know that it's done. I'm not a huge fan of crowds, especially in the shopping center with small people. Um, so I am, I'm done. My only gripe is the wrapping. I hate wrapping. There is no reason for it but I really, I, I don't like to wrap. So I have all of the presents that have been in the top of my cupboard for weeks now, and the kids are like, are we doing Christmas? Like, there's nothing under the tree. I'm like, I know, they're just in the cupboard. I'll get to them before the 24th, but right now I haven't wrapped. Um, uh, this, this is my kind of wrapping here. I like gift bags, okay? I love a good gift bag, and I will often, yeah, there we go. I will often put my gifts in a gift bag, not wrapped, just in the gift bag. Caught out a few times when I've given gifts in a gift bag that haven't really lined up with what's actually inside. So I'll give a gift to someone and, you know, it's, it's something little or, or it's different, but it, like it's in a seed bag or something. And they're like, ooh, this is going to be nice. And I'm like, don't get that excited. It's just the bag. I didn't want to wrap it. And they're like, oh, okay, thank you. Or the opposite, where you've got something really fiddly for a little kid, and you're like, I, I don't know how to wrap this. Like, this is just awkward. So like, I'll get like an old chisel box or something, and I'll put it in the box, because it's easy to wrap that way. And then I'll wrap that. And the kid's getting like, chisels. Like, we love chisels, but like, chisels. And I'm like, no, no, no keep going. Like, it's the, the, keep going. Explore. It's on the inside. So I've been caught out a few times, but anyway, that's where I'm at with my Christmas shopping uh, and wrapping, and hopefully by the end of this week, everything will be under the tree. But today, um, let's see if we can, uh, yeah, unpeel a little bit more from this three-part Christmas message. Uh, today is your final installment. Like Chelsea said, we're not back now until the 6th. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Sarah spoke to us. She gave us our first installment. It was on the Holy Trinity. Cooper last week spoke to us about Jesus and um, being like that first perfect Christmas gift. And today we're going to have a look at a couple of additional gifts that God has chosen to bless to us at this time. And I think that they're pretty cool gifts. We're going to get straight into it. If you want to follow along with your uh, Bible. We're reading from John 1, 9 to 13. I do have it up on the screen if it wants to work for me. Oh, it's good if I turn it on. There we go. Hey, okay, it works. All right, so let's have a look. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
He was in the world and through the world, and though the world was made through him, his own, and his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. It's like a really tightly packed couple of verses, and there's so much there. We could do a whole series just on these verses, but we've only got 25 minutes-ish, and we'll see what we can pull apart. All right, so we've already established Jesus is like this perfect gift, the first gift, um, blessed to us, God in the flesh, verse 1, uh, John 1, verse 14, if you needed that reference, um, here on earth to dwell among us, his created. But verse 10, okay, let's just, let's just start here. Verse 10, the world did not recognize him. They didn't instantly go, yeah, Jesus, that's the Messiah, that's our Savior, that's who we've been waiting for. Thank you, God, he's here, giddy up, let's go. They didn't recognize him as the person that they had been praying for. He didn't present in the way that they expected, much, less, much like how I wrap my gifts Okay, the exterior didn't quite match their expectation. Okay, they didn't see the gift that was on the inside, at least initially. Now, let me just set the scene for you here, okay, because context is everything. God's people are currently living um, under the oppression of the Roman Empire. Okay, um, they're forced to pay taxes to Caesar pretty much to the point of poverty, um, they're crying out to God once again to save them. And I do say once again because this seems to be like their thing, okay? They've been in this perpetual cycle pretty much all of the Old Testament where they just, they're in a really good place with God, everything's going great, they acknowledge him, they're praising him, they're worshiping him, and then they just, they start to, to slip or look sideways at some other idols and, you know, they they. They just slip, they move away, they pull away from God, and then another nation comes in and conquers them and enslaves them or captures them, um, and then they realize, oh no, like we've made a mistake here, we don't actually want to be captured, like we're God's people, cry out to God, please come and help us and save us, and in his timing, he does, and you know he frees them, and everything goes back to where it was, and then a little ways down the track, it happens again. And it's just this cycle, okay? So right now we're in the part where they're crying out to God once more, okay? And they're expecting, like in the past, they're expecting someone like, someone big, someone great to come and save them from this oppression. They're expecting someone tall like Saul, all right, the Bible says that he was like a head and shoulders above everyone else, uh, our King Saul, all right, or Samson, the judge. Like, he was the strongest man ever, ever to walk. Like, he, he was massive, let's be honest. He would have been very... I have to be careful. He would have been physically pleasing. Um, that's what they were expecting, someone that they could look at physically and be like, yes, 100%, we are following this guy. He is, he is got it made, and uh, let's go storm the, storm the castle. But that's not what God gives them. For the most part, believe, and, and I don't know because I haven't actually seen Jesus, I haven't had that personal interaction with him where he uh, magically appears, and I shouldn't say magically, but appears in front of me um, despite how many times I've asked for it. But Bible scholars seem to appear that for all accounts, Jesus was a pretty average-looking dude. 
He didn't stand out from the crowd. He wasn't super tall. He wasn't super muscly. He didn't have like that chiseled, any of the Chris's going on in Hem, uh, Hemsworth or Evans or anyone in, from Hollywood. He, like, he just, he didn't stand out from the crowd. And I think God did this on purpose because he wanted them to, to make sure that his people focused on what was on the inside rather than the wrapping. But because of this, the people didn't recognize him. He wasn't like the leaders that had come from the past. He wasn't gift-wrapped in the form of a powerful human being. And so when he claimed to be who he was, he didn't get kind of the reaction that, uh, that past leaders had received. But imagine missing Jesus. Like imagine missing the Messiah, your savior, your deliverer, sent by God. You've been praying for a really long time and you miss him. And to be honest, there are still people who have missed it. There are still people who don't think that Jesus was the Messiah. They're still waiting, right? It happened, but it wasn't a surprise to God. None of this was a surprise to God. God knew all of this way back in creation. Like He had this plan for a long time, and there are little breadcrumbs along the way, which we'll have a look at one or two of them, all right? But he, he knew this was coming, and so he's like, oh, it's all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plan for this. I'm gonna send someone out first who can just get people ready like the Messiah's coming, get excited, you don't have to wait that long, Savior's on his way, and, he's, and he chooses John, who's Jesus' cousin. So John goes out into the world and he starts to prepare people for the arrival of their Savior. Okay? Let's have a look at verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So even though John is out there preparing, you know, come on, it's, it's happening, like he's here. It's going to be any minute. Get ready. When he finally shows up and starts to really walk into his purpose, first people didn't really recognize it. He'd grown up in Nazareth. He was just another, he was just another person to everyone who grew up around him. He was Mary and Joseph's son. He it was relatively you know, Paul, like the rest of them, he didn't come from a powerful family or a big uh, wealth or anything like that. You know, he was a carpenter. He probably made the tables and chairs that they sat on every night. He was a little less than they expected. It didn't make sense to them. How could Jesus, this guy that we've grown up with our whole lives, suddenly claim to be the Messiah? Um, it's just, it didn't, it didn't sit right. They didn't, they didn't get it initially. So he wasn't embraced as God's perfect gift gift straight away. But John keeps going. He's like, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep spreading this message. You've got to be ready for him. Like, John's so excited. He's so fired up. He doesn't accept defeat. Verse 12. Yet all who happen, people start to talk to Jesus. They start to realize, you know what? There's something on the inside of this wrapping there's something there. There's something that other people don't have. There's something really special here. And they get past the wrapping and they start to see him. Now, what is it to receive someone? We've all had people knock on our front doors, right? Do you receive them? How, how do you receive someone? If it's someone that you decide that you're not going to receive, you just politely close the door. But if you receive someone, usually you welcome them in. And it's not like... 
It's not like a, a, yeah, well, yeah, I guess you can come in. Like, if you're going to have someone come into your home, usually you're going to receive them with, like, a bit of warmth. Come in, yeah, what do you want? What do we want to, like, what are we doing? There's a little bit of excitement there. And so the people start to receive Jesus, either into their homes or they start to open up their hearts. Verse 12 continues. To those who believed in his name... What is it to believe in someone's name? It's more than just acknowledging someone's name, because if we're totally honest, the, the enemy, the devil, and his dark angels, they do that. They acknowledge that Jesus is who he is. So it has to be more. To believe in someone's name, okay, you trust them. You believe what they're saying. You believe in them. You want to support them. You accept them into the table. And so people start to believe in Jesus' name. They get past the wrapping, that exterior, see what's on the inside, and they start to believe, you know what, maybe, maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe this is the Savior. They start to see it. Verse 13. Ooh. Nope, still 12, but anyway. He gave the right to become children. Okay, those who have recognized him, received him, believed in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Have you ever really wondered what that means? Like it just rolls off the tongue. We can say it pretty, pretty simply, children of God. What does it mean? Like I'm actually, I know it's super awkward, no one likes silences, but I'm gonna give you 30 seconds because I really want you to just think about what does that actually mean? to be a child of God. I want to be quiet. Feels like an eternity when no one talks, doesn't it? <laughs> I have an excerpt from a book, and I think it sums it up beautifully. To be a child of God, you are royalty. Did you know that? Sons and daughters of the one true God, princes and princesses of the kingdom of heaven and co-heirs with Jesus. Not kidding, royalty. When we accept Jesus Christ as our saviour, because his name literally translates to saviour, Matthew 1.21, if you need the reference, we become co-heirs with him. The spirit of God bears witness that our spirit, with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Indeed, if we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together, Romans 8.16 and 17. God created man and woman in his own image, Genesis 1.27. We are the pinnacle of his creation, chosen royalty, 1 Peter 2.9. You ever think about that? Like co-heirs with Jesus. I get really excited, but at the same time, my human brain can't fully comprehend just how amazing that is. But it's mind-blowing, Right? child of God, the invitation is set, and that is our first 
gift. Okay, or our second gift, I should say. So we've got Jesus. He's the perfect gift. Okay, but with him, God sends this invitation and he's like, I'm not just going to give you Jesus. Like, I'm going to invite you in. Okay, so gift number two at Christmas time, here we go. It's adoption. If you haven't already accepted the invitation thoroughly, uh, I really encourage you to do so. Okay, but God, he's, he's not just like, he's not just your average, like, good father. He is called a good, good father. And he does not just stop there, all right? It's not just Jesus. It's not just the invitation to adoption. He keeps going. There are extra gifts. And let's have a look at them. But before we do, all right, I've got my gift bags out here. Ooh, stairs. All right, but I've got this one here. And it's just sitting here, this nice little gift. I've actually took the time to wrap it. You're welcome. Um, but it's just sitting there. Why? Why is it unclaimed? Is it because you didn't know that you could take it? I mean, you didn't pay for it, right? You didn't bring it. You didn't have something in your handbag to, like, exchange with it because, like, we've all played Secret Santa Steel, right? You've got to exchange. You've got to bring a gift to get a gift. What if I told you that it's just there for whoever actually walks up and takes it? Is someone going to take it? It's like privy to the message that someone walks up and takes this message. Now, go, someone, out of your seat. You get it. You get to keep it. Thank you. I knew it would be a kid. You're welcome. You're going to enjoy that. Yes. Okay. Merry Christmas. But it's weird, right? No, no, these ones are empty, bud. Sorry. Yours are at home under the tree. <laughs> Mum's got something for you later. You're a little bit slow. It's countercultural. It's odd. We feel uncomfortable, don't we? Taking something without an exchange. It's how we're conditioned. There has to be an exchange. Nothing is for free. And this is the part where I have to put in the disclaimer that my message is not just to go out and take whatever you want from the world because you will get in trouble and I can't help you with that. But in this case, it's free. The only catch is that you actually have to walk up out of your comfort zone and take it. Jesus, the adoption, the rest of the gifts that we're going to talk about, you've got to walk up, you've got to take it. I love how countercultural, counter I should say, God is. There are so many little snippets through the Bible where it's like, hey, wait, you're just having fun with this, right? It's great. Now, all of these gifts, we can't earn them, we can't buy them, we can't steal them, we can accept them. And I've said gifts, plural, let's keep going, let's have a look at what else is on offer. Ooh, here we go. All right, John 1, 29 to 34, if you want to read along, but it is up here. Uh, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remained on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, 
The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. All right, so remember... John the Baptist, he's, he's going out, he's preparing the way, he's like devoted his life to this, okay, in a really intense way. He's out trying to help people prepare their hearts and their minds so that when Jesus rocks up onto the scene, they're ready for him. He's baptizing with water, he knows more is to come. And now Jesus is here. Now Jesus is here. And John's so excited all right, I know that a lot of people back in Nazareth from Jesus' past, they didn't get it, they didn't see it, okay? But John's the opposite. John sees it. John's his cousin, okay? And, like, they've probably grown up together. And at some point, God's got this, this purpose, this message from God, and God's like, go and prepare the way. I'm sending the Savior. And he's like, yeah, okay, Jesus, I've got to go. I'll catch you in a, like, might be a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years. I'm not sure. God's given me this thing. Like, I'm going to go. Okay, I'll see you in a bit. And he's out and he's doing his thing. And then suddenly Jesus comes. And he's like, I know this guy. Like, that's my cousin. And then the whole, like, dove and the spirit falls on him. And he's like, no. Like, just think about it if it was you. And you've grown up with, like, a best mate, your cousin, whoever it is, your whole life. You've gone to Sabbath school together, school. You played kickball in the yard. Okay, like, one of your best mates. And you're like, okay, like, I'm, I'm doing this thing. God's prepared me to do this thing. And suddenly they rock up and that's who the Messiah is. It's mind-blowing, right? John didn't go, nah, there's no way it's Jesus. John was like, oh, it's Jesus. Yes, I knew it. I could have picked it at the family gatherings. He always had the answer. Yes, this is awesome. Got more energy, all right? John's a little bit, he's excited here, okay? He's so excited that he calls Jesus a lamb. It's a really odd term of endearment, right? I've never been called a lamb. Um, the only time that I've ever heard someone call another person a lamb outside of this context is like when you get a really mature age person and they're looking at a newborn baby and they're like, oh, a little lamb. But apart from that, like, we don't usually call someone a lamb. It's like, it's, it's odd. It's not a usual term of endearment. Okay, so there has to be some meaning to it, right? Which, of course, there is, and here we go. Um, if, if you haven't looked too much into this or, or you, you knew or you just you need the refresher, here we go, because this, this is tabernacle language. This is Old Testament language, and there is, of course, purpose to it. All right, so prior to the death of Jesus, and right here, we're not actually at the death of Jesus. We're at the start of his ministry. The death of Jesus, that's about three, three and a half years away. We haven't got there yet. So even currently, at this point, um, every single day, twice a day at the temple, they sacrificed a lamb for sin because the, the penalty, the price of sin had to be blood. All right, and God had it organized with them way back when. It's a lamb. There's not just any lamb. Like, you can't just go and pick one out that wasn't going to make it anyway. It's got to be perfect. It's spotless. There is not a blemish. There is not a health issue. It is utter perfection twice a day. And they do this to atone for the sins of man. 
All right, and Isaiah the prophet, he prophesied way back in Exodus. Remember, this plan wasn't new. God knew about it way back when. Here's one of the breadcrumbs. Okay, Exodus 29, verses 38 to 42, he states that the Messiah would be led to the slaughter like a lamb. To pay the penalty of sin, life had to be given, and God chose to provide the sacrifice just like he did back when it all started when he gave Abraham the lamb sacrifice and said, no, no, don't, don't sacrifice your son. Here's the lamb. But now he's providing the lamb and it's his son. Hasn't yet happened, but when it does, it removes all sin for all people for all time, if you accept it. Now, Jesus paid the price for your sins. Anything that you could have done, anything that you could do, it's wiped clean, it's gone. And there's, there's significance in that because prior to this, if people wanted to come to God, they had to do it usually through someone, through a priest or someone else. Okay? But what Jesus does, and it hasn't happened yet, but what Jesus does when he is sacrificed as that final perfect lamb of God, it, it removes all of that sacrificial need, and it actually opens up this opportunity for us to come to God. Because before that, we couldn't. We're full, of, we're full of sin. We can't. I don't know about you. I, I sin daily, probably before breakfast every day. So like, even though there's one in the morning and one at night, I'm sure somewhere in there I'm going to sin, and then I can't get to God again. He wipes all of that. All we have to do is ask for it, okay? You've got to ask for this one. Confess your sins to him, and he's going to give you the forgiveness. It's a guarantee. It's not, oh, if I'm having a good day. No, it's a guarantee. You're going to get the forgiveness, okay? Now, if anyone's like, mm, yeah, but like I sin a lot, and I just don't want to, I feel bad asking again and again, or, you know, what if, what if he's just like, no, it's too many, it's, it's, for those of you in the room who are parents, right, our kids, they can come to us and you know, they, might, they might frustrate the daylights out of us multiple times a day. But if they come back and they're like, look, I'm really sorry for that one, mummy. You're not going to be like, no, nah, I've already forgiven you twice today. You can just, you're not going to do it, right? You might be frustrated, but that's because I'm human. I'm not going to turn my child away. God's not going to turn us away. All right, And God's so excited about this gift because forgiveness is his next gift, okay? Because it's one that he's designed specifically for us, all right? So back to the whole Christmas analogy, you go shopping. This is why I like to shop really like in advance because I like time. I like to look for gifts that actually like are meaningful or people are going to really enjoy them, not just, oh, yeah, I guess, well, she's six and yeah, that'll work. Okay, I like to find that gift that's like really, really special. They're going to love it, and I know they're going to love it. And then if I find it, sometimes I get so caught up in the excitement of wanting to give it to them, I'm like, I'm not even going to wait for their birthday or Christmas. Like, here you go, I'll find another one. I'm excited to give this gift because I know they're going to love it. They're going to be excited about it, okay? God's the same with this one. There is no need for forgiveness prior to creation of man. There was no sin. He didn't need it. 
He's created this gift specifically for us. So he's excited to give it to you. He's like, okay, it's like Christmas morning, okay, and you're excited because you want to give your kids a gift because you want to see the joy that's on your face. That's God every day with this one. He's like, come on, come and ask me for it. Come on, confess those sins. Come and ask me for it. I'm really excited. I want you to have this one. I made it just for you. Come and ask me for it. He's excited. Don't ever think that you're like, oh, I've done that too many times. He doesn't want to hear from me again. Nope. It's not God. He's really excited to give you this gift. And now, forgiveness, like, he went all out with this one because forgiveness is this really cool gift. It's even like a twofer, but not only can we ask for forgiveness from God and receive it, it's guaranteed, we can actually give forgiveness to those around us. They come and apologize. They ask for forgiveness. You, you can pass that gift on. That's pretty cool, but you've got to mean it. Can't just be like, oh, I forgive you. No, I don't. I'm still going to gossip about it. I'm still going to like wrestle with that in my heart. No, no, no. You've got to like actually forgive them. We put it to bed. It's dealt with. It's done. We don't come back to it forgotten in the past. And when you do that, you get the bonus gift because there's a bonus gift that comes with forgiveness. Doesn't matter if it's coming from above or it's going out sideways, you get peace. And I like that we prayed for that earlier. We want more peace in the world, we've got to see more forgiveness. But you've got to ask for it. We've got to get off our high horse, we've got to humble ourselves, we've got to ask for it. So, let's get back to where we are with our scripture. Where am I up to? Yep, we've done that one. Yep, bonus gift. Okay, we're almost here. So, John's called Jesus the Lamb of God. All right? But Jesus hasn't revealed his plan yet. Remember, we're still at the start of the ministry. That's three and a half-ish years down the track. And even the disciples and Jesus' mother and those absolutely closest to him, when we get to this point, and he's sacrificed, he's up on, the, he's crucified, he's laying in the tomb, everyone's really upset because they don't get it. They've been with him for three and a half years, or Mary, his whole life, but they don't get it. The only human who was read into the plan prior to the resurrection is John the Baptist. He knows what's going on. He calls him the Lamb of God, and he's excited for it. Not confused, he's excited. God reveals his plan. Imagine being the only person that God revealed that plan to. It's kind of nice, because he actually doesn't get to see the end result, which is a little bit sad. But, but John is excited. He's like the OG disciple. He's the disciple before Jesus even starts calling disciples. He's taken on the Great Commission before Jesus even gives the Great Commission. John is fulfilling the call of God that he has placed on all of his children, all of his adopted children. We're all called to the family business, and it's the same purpose. It was for John, it is for us now. It's serving and loving others in a way that Jesus does and pointing them towards him. That's it. You want a purpose in life? That's it. It's honestly that simple. It all boils down to that. Serve and love. Share the gifts. 
point people to Jesus. It's going to look different in your context. It's going to look different throughout the seasons. Some of them all overlap. It was John's purpose in life. It's our purpose in life. Think about it this way, all right? For those of you who aren't finished your Christian shopping, because it's all of you, stress me out. You go to Westfield at some point in the next week, and you're in there, and in the middle is this giant table. And there are car keys, house keys, tickets to Paris, all sorts of things on this table. And it's free, and you can take as many of them as you want. What's your reaction once you get past the, no, surely this is like someone's filming me and this is not right? So people start to take the gifts and you're like, wait, what? This is legit? You're going to take a gift, right? There's no way someone hand, someone's handing out free tickets to Paris and I'm not getting in on that. I'm going to take the gift. And then what's the next thing you're going to do? If you're under like 30, maybe, you're probably going to instantly post it to social media and tell everyone that you know uh, those of us around that mark or, or older, we might call people or just tell them, all right? But you're going to spread the news because this is the most amazing gifts and they're free. Okay, so now you get the kind of excitement that John has. It's not for a ticket to Paris, though. It's for Jesus. It's for adoption. It's for forgiveness and peace. And look, if we had more time, we could dive into it. There's a whole other, you know, there's hope, there's there's acceptance, there's love, you know, there's other gifts all wrapped up in this. And he's excited. He knows they're free. They're already paid for. And he wants you to have them. And as children of God, that's that's our purpose. It's to give out as many gifts as we can to point people to the table. Come and take a gift. Come and take all the gifts. So let's recap. Jesus, part of the Holy Trinity, sent by God the first, the perfect gift that anyone can or ever will receive. Along with this gift of Jesus comes the additional gifts of adoption into the family of God, wrapped up in acceptance, belonging, and love from God for each of us, regardless of who we are or what we've done or will do. Jesus makes us sinless and perfect in the eyes of God always. Forgiveness is that one that like you just, it's like a never-ending cookie jar. You just keep going back. You just keep taking. You just got elected into his family, love and serve. Point them to Jesus. Point them to the gifts. Can we do it? Think about one person over the next couple of weeks over this Christmas season that you can share the gifts with. Or if you can't think of one, pray for one. Let's pray. Hey God, thank you so much for these incredible gifts that you have blessed us all with at this Christmas season. Lord, when we really delve into the verses here, we can see that there is just such an abundance of love and joy, like a good, good father giving to his children. We see that, and we're so grateful for it, Lord, and we ask that you would give us the courage to walk up to the table and to accept the gifts. And then give us a little more, Lord, 
so that we can bring others to the table too. Help us to know who it is that you are calling us right now to love and to serve, to show Jesus to. Lord, we pray as we go into this Christmas season that you would just be with us, that you will watch over us, that you would just continue to bless us as we know that you love to do. Thank you so much for all that you are, for all that you have given us and blessed us with. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lauren. Such a great reminder of those gifts that God has sitting there, like right, they're right there for us. Um, we just need to take them and then go share them with others. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, just a reminder about next week. Um, so there's, this is our last refresh service for the year. Um, next week there is a sausage sizzle and movie night starting from five. So come along. That'll be a bit of fun. Um, yeah, so we're back on the 6th of January. Um, and there was something else, and I've just had a mind blank. No. Yep. Um, Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) Um, But from everyone at Refresh, thank you for the journey we've been on this year. Um, It's been great. Um, We'd love to see you all in 2024 again, so... To you and your families, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Have a safe holiday season and um, we'll see you next year. Thanks. Go home and Google it. It's in America. It's a ministry where he takes um, specifically designed for men who are addicted with battling all kinds of addictions. He takes them. He's established a farm where they go and they work on the farm. They detox through everything. It's a Christian Uh, Christian kind of life residential program where they understand who God is, how the Spirit of God can help them live in the future, and he rehabilitates people. They move from the farm to go into a group home where they help them find jobs. And he even says himself that he cannot understand or believe. It's beyond belief that his life, what was so much shame, for him, he now uses as so much power to help other people. The power of God releasing him from that allows his story to then inspire others and him to provide a place where other people can flourish. And here's what I want to leave you with. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 40. Gerard is going to continue on with shame next week, but I want to leave you this week with Psalm 40. It is beautiful. Wesley's healing from his shame was a catalyst for so many others, hundreds of other men to be reunited with their families, reunited with their old lives. And why is it called Ground 40? This is why. Psalm 40.
I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things that you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to even declare Psalm 40 was the experience that Wesley had. He was introduced to a God that seemed too good to even be true, but he thought he'd give it a try. Let me call out to you. Let me expose to you my shame. In fact, let me take it off and let me lay it at your feet. And the response that he got was a God that turned to him. He heard his cry and lifted him up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud, and the mire, and he set his feet on a rock. And he used that rock as a platform to make many rocks for others to then build their lives upon. So the question I want to ask you as you finish is, there's no healing in hiding. God tells us that very clearly. And just as he did when he met Adam and Eve in the garden, he wants to walk with you and he calls your name. He walks toward you. And as we saw in the Garden of Eden, their creator God stepped back into their lives, in their mess, and he had changed from their creator and says, hey, I created you, but I also want to redeem you. I, I can do both. Let me be a part of your life. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be your redeemer. And the question is, will you let him? That's your choice. Will you let him? Will you discard those fig leaves and unashamedly walk towards a God who's calling your name because he so, so loves you? Let's pray together. Father God, we want to ask today that you will put people in our pathway that we can share your goodness with, that they can understand and come to love and know who you are and that your kingdom may be greater as we share stories of how you free us from burdens. Help us never ever to listen to those whispered lies that tell us that we are not good enough or something is too big for you to forgive. God, we love you. Help us to remember that you love us and you are constantly walking towards us because you, as our creator, also want to redeem us. We love you and we cannot wait to meet you. In your name, amen.